Welcome everyone to Worship at Christ Journey. I'm so glad that you're joining us today, whether you're joining us here in Coral Gables or out at our Kindle campus, a special hello to my friends in Kindle, or whether you're joining us in church online from uh, places all around the world. We're so happy that you're joining us today. We are beginning a new series uh, over the next several weeks in which we are going to be looking at some leadership lessons from the life and letters of the Apostle Peter. I suppose every one of us has benefited throughout our lives with the influence that others have exerted onto us. Uh, I know I have. People who have used their leadership influence to make a huge difference in my life. Uh, I would say that probably the most influential person in my life has been my dad. My dad is a retired pastor uh, just in the last few weeks, we celebrated his 90th birthday, and he's still healthy. He's still doing well. Uh, in fact, he and my mom are moving today uh, to a new home. And in the clearing of all of their stuff, they asked what we would want. I wanted two things. I wanted his old acoustic Gibson guitar. If you're a guitar person, you know that's a really great gift. And then I wanted one of his preaching Bibles. So today I'm, I'm using my dad's old preaching Bible uh, as my Bible today from which I'll be uh, spreading uh, God's word. But I do call my dad every week. I would talk with him on the phone, and I, I learn from his, uh, from his wisdom and from his inspiration. Well, as we take this first step in this series, we're going to be looking at a, a paragraph from a letter that Simon Peter wrote to new Christian converts in an area of the world that the Romans had named Asia Minor. Now, we call this part of the world Turkey. Their world was in crazy political turmoil. Imagine that. Because they were under the corrupt Roman government and Christianity at that time was under attack, under persecution, primarily because of the great fire in Rome in AD 64. Although Emperor Nero had likely supervised the burning of much of his capital city so that he could rebuild it the way he wanted to, uh, he, he, was, he was naming the Christian faith, this new Christian faith, as a, a, if you will, a scapegoat. They were getting the blame for this tremendous fire, and so they were under great persecution. Peter was actually in Rome when he wrote this letter to them over in Asia Minor, and uh, he was going to be facing his own martyr's death within a very short time following the writing of this letter. And so in the midst of what Peter calls this painful trial that they were all suffering, Peter writes them to influence them, to encourage them, to comfort them, to give them direction. In 1 Peter 4, where we'll be reading today, uh, he says that in light of the fact that it looks like the end is near, the clock is ticking, the end is near, he says, it's time for us to up our game. It's not time to run and hide, it's time to up our game. He says it's, this is how you're going to do that. This is how you're going to get strength and hope and direction. And here's how you're going to be living this out, this new faith that we have discovered in Christ. Here's how you're going to be living it out in the face of these fiery trials. 
So how about you? How about you? Are you anxious about the situation in our world today, in our country, in our homes? Have you ever felt like your Rome was burning? Things were coming undone. Things are being turned upside down. Would you like to hear a word of comfort and encouragement and direction for the painful trials that you may be suffering? Are you living under the circumstances of these stressful times? Peter said that we don't have to live under the influence of this, and here's what he calls it, this earthly life for human desires, but rather, he says, we can live for the will of God. Peter says there is an alternative. He says you're in luck. He says it's more than luck. It is God's power that can influence your life. We can live our lives under God's influence. So let's take a look now at 1 Peter chapter 4 to discover that you can indeed up your game when you are under God's influence. Follow with me, reading from 1 Peter chapter 4, starting in verse 7. He says, The end of all things is near. Therefore, be alert and of sober mind so that you may pray. Above all, love each other deeply, because love covers over a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. Those of you who are sports fans, as I am, will know that the end of the game is the most exciting time, isn't it? The end of the game is, is so much more intense. Mistakes are magnified, but so are the great plays. We love moments when players can step up their game to a new level. They can up their game when it matters the most. A few years ago, our Miami Heat basketball team was uh, playing for the NBA championship against the San Antonio Spurs. Uh, the clock was ticking. It was the deciding game. It was down to the last 17 or 18 seconds of the game, and the Miami Heat were behind by three points. Our backs were against the wall. The game was almost over, and the season was almost over. They were setting up the trophy presentation. The ropes were being set on the side to give the trophy to the other team. And then we got to see a team our team, and a player up his game. Let's take a look. Should the Spurs foul? Should Miami go for the three right away? Just attack the basket. James catches, puts up the three. Won't go. Rebound, box. Back out to Allen. His three-pointer. Bang! Tie game with five seconds remaining. Spurs do not have a timeout. 
But the officials are going to review to see if Allen was behind the line. Chris Bosch with the huge offensive rebound. And now instant replay, enormous. And Mike, Tim Duncan out of the game leads to the second shot and clearly a three-point shot. They confirmed that it was a three and the Spurs had a chance to talk this over. Oh, I still get goosebumps when I see that. It's exciting, isn't it, to see at the end of the game, when the time is running out, we see great players make great plays. Chris Bosh getting that rebound, finding Ray Allen out on the side, Ray Allen making that three, and the Miami Heat got that game turned around, won that game, won the next game to win the NBA championship. It was an exciting time to see a player up his game like that. The Apostle Peter says in verse 7 that it's important for us in light of the fact that the game clock is running down. It is important for us to up our game. And he gives us in a few verses here four ways that we can up our game. He tells us that we need to wake up. He says you need to be alert. He tells us that we should sober up. He actually uses the words to be of sober mind. He tells us that we need to power up. The reason we wake up and the reason that we sober up is so that we can pray, he says. And then he tells us how to follow up. He tells us that we should love deeply. He tells us that we should share graciously. He tells us how to follow up. Let's take a look at these one at a time. And so first, I want to go back to the fact that he tells us we need to wake up. Peter says to be alert. Well, what does he mean by that? He means to stay awake, to stay watchful, to be on guard. Do you think maybe he could have been remembering a time not too long before that he and James and John had gone with Jesus to the Garden of Gethsemane? And do you remember that Jesus had told them to sit here, you watch and pray? And then Jesus went away to pray by himself. And when he came back, what had those three, Peter, James, and John done? They had fallen asleep. I'm sure that he was thinking about that when he told these new converts that it was important for them to, to wake up, to stay alert. Do you ever find yourself getting groggy, falling asleep even, when you are praying or when you're reading God's Word, when you're in a time with Him and you just literally fall asleep? I'm embarrassed to say that I'm guilty of that from time to time, and I think probably others of you would relate to that. I have an older friend who has since gone on to be with the Lord, who was a member of our church here, and several years ago he had a very embarrassing experience that took place right in this auditorium here in Coral Gables. Uh, we were at the end of our worship experience. The pastor had finished his sermon and was, uh, was doing the concluding prayer when all of a sudden there was a loud noise, a thump that came from the back of the room over here, a loud noise, and then the gasping of a number of people in that area. 
I was standing in the back of the room, and so I, I saw and heard this happen, and so I made my way over there as quickly as I could to see if I could help, and I saw my friend down in the floor between the rows uh, collapsed. I, I got to him. He was, uh, he was unconscious. He was not able to communicate. He was not able to speak. Uh, fearing that it might have been a heart problem or a, perhaps a stroke, the ambulance was called. The uh, worship experience was abruptly ended. Uh, the ambulance came, picked him up, took him off to the hospital. Uh, I'm glad to tell you that it wasn't a heart attack, it wasn't a stroke, but uh, several years later, maybe two or three, he and I were talking about that experience. And uh, he got a little smile on his face and he said, I, I think there's something I need to tell you about that. And uh, well, maybe you've already guessed it. He told me that he was sleepy that morning and that he had leaned forward onto his hands, putting his chin on his hands uh, when sleep had overcome him. And uh, when he did fall asleep, he dropped through his hands, his forehead hit the back of the pew in front of him, and it knocked him out. He went to the floor in a heap, but he was too embarrassed to tell everybody or the ambulance drivers that he had knocked himself out because he had fallen asleep. He was extremely embarrassed and didn't tell me for two or three years until after that experience. You know, it can be embarrassing to fall asleep during prayer, but more than that, for you and me, it's not just an embarrassment, potentially. It's clearly robbing us of the opportunity to get the spiritual power we need to up our game. We live in crazy, busy times. We face painful trials in our world and in our country and in our homes. We need all the spiritual help we can get. Maybe the most spiritual thing that you can do is to get some rest. Maybe to slow down. Maybe it's just a matter of going to bed earlier. Maybe it's actually, and here's a novel idea, actually relaxing on your day off. Maybe you need a vacation. Maybe you just need time to slow down. If you want to be able to up your game, you're going to have to, Peter says, be alert. You're going to have to stay watchful. You're going to have to wake up to what is happening around you, what God is wanting to do in you and through you. You can up your game when you're under God's influence. Well, the second way that you can up your game is to sober up. Peter says, again reading in verse 7, he says that we are to be alert and of what? Sober mind. Well, what does he mean by that? Well, he means that we are to be balanced, not wobbly, not under the intoxicating and the addicting influence of what the world throws at us. The opposite of that word is the, 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 the words frenzy or madness. Uh, that's the Greek word mania from which we get our word manic. Uh, 
Of course, the first thought that comes to our minds, I believe, when we hear to be of sober mind is the devastating, debilitating, and addicting impact that alcohol can have in our lives. And we would be right to think that Peter is indeed addressing that and talking about that. The excessive use of alcohol was a problem then, and it is a problem for us today. It has devastating impact in our lives, does it not? In our families and in our society. But let me add some other contemporary influences that could be uh, clouding our minds, impacting our ability to think, to be of sober mind. Uh, Alcohol, of course, is the first one on the list that I've just talked about, but also we know the impact that drugs have on us, don't we? Uh, whether they are legal drugs or illegal drugs, whether they are medicinal drugs or, or recreational drugs, whether it's marijuana or opioids and on and on. Drugs have a, a serious impact on us, on our ability to be of sober mind, do they not? What about pornography? Pornography has been such an issue for many in this room, many in our society. Uh, Many of us, especially men, we have fallen prey to the idea that uh, pornography has become such a part of our lives that it's so intoxicating, it's so addicting. We go back for more and for different and for better. We have found pornography to be something that keeps our minds from being sober-minded. How about the internet and social media? Uh, Do you find yourself just uh, constantly going to your social media and scrolling through, seeing who's saying what about whom, and, 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 and going down all those branches? Do you find yourself constantly leaving the attention of your family and to God and giving your attention to your social media, to the internet. That can soak up our minds and our hearts and our attention. What about entertainment? Entertainment, things like uh, maybe you're a gamer, somebody that plays video games, and that becomes so much a part of who you are and what you think about. It has taken on over your mind, and it has become an obsession for you. What about those of us who follow reality shows and that that becomes the most important part of our week? We're constantly thinking about that, and we're reflecting on it. Some of us have just made our hobbies our our addictive behavior. That's the thing that we think about that controls our life. What about binge watching your favorite shows, spending the whole weekend, spending the whole day, spending all of this time perhaps away from your family and friends so that you can can engage in your own personal little vice? What about materialism? Materialism, uh, can that next new thing that you're thinking about buying dominate your thoughts and actions? Uh, You know, it might be a car, might be a boat, it might be a TV, it might be a computer or a new phone. It could be new clothes, it could be anything that becomes a dominant force in your mind. Has Amazon become a jungle for you? What about this one, resentment and anger? Some of us live with resentment and anger clouding our minds constantly, perhaps for years and years. This can send you reeling and can can knock you off your game. 
What about this one? The need for approval. The need for approval. Do you find yourself looking for uh, that next hit of approval adrenaline? And do you crash if you don't get it? They didn't notice. They didn't see what I did. You know, this, this last one, this need for approval has been an addiction for me that I've fought all of my life. I, I clearly remember as an eight-year-old boy, my family moved to a new town, and I moved to a new school in the middle of the school year. I was in the second grade, and I remember going in to my second grade class, and clear as day, I can, I can remember the thoughts that I had in assessing the room, assessing who was there and who seemed to be the most popular person in the classroom in the second grade. And then I was trying to calculate, I remember, how I could take his place, how I could get the attention of the others and the approval of the others in my second grade class. Well, I'm sad to say that I, I believe that my addiction for approval did not end in elementary school. It has clouded my thinking for much of my adult life. I think it's only been in, in the last five or six years, perhaps, that I've been able to sober up from the addiction to approval. So which of these intruders has taken up space in your mind, in your life? Peter tells us that if we want to up our game, we're going to have to sober up. Maybe you didn't see any of these influencers up on my list uh, that, that you have a problem with. Maybe you think, well, you know, I'm, I'm good in this area. I don't have any issues like that. Years ago, I heard author Gordon MacDonald say that a strength assumed is a weakness doubled. He had been an influential pastor and an author of Christian books and had fallen into an affair that had cost him his marriage and had cost him his ministry and had cost him his reputation. He said to me, years before, somebody had said to him, how's your marriage? And he said, oh, I'll never have a problem in my marriage. And then he said, a strength assumed is a weakness doubled. Sometimes these kinds of problems are not easy to see in the mirror. Let me suggest to you that you need to get a second opinion. A trusted friend, ask them if there is an area in your life where they see in you that you have come under the influence of something like this. And what if you did recognize your pet intruder up here? What can you do? Well, I would say that the general idea here too is to get help, to get help for these intruders in our lives that have taken up residence in our minds, have clogged our pathway. I'd hope that you would see a counselor perhaps or go to an addiction program. Maybe you could join a Christ Journey small group or talk with a pastor or talk with a friend. Influence never matters more than when life is on the line and the clock is ticking. Put yourself under the influence of people who will share godly wisdom with you in your life. And then the most significant help that you can get 
is when you not only wake up and sober up, but when you can power up through prayer. Peter says in 1 Peter 4, 7, again, to conclude that verse, be, sure, be alert and of sober-minded so that you can pray. Prayer is the ultimate way that you can up your game. Prayer is the pipeline that puts us under the influence of God's power. When Peter tells us to be alert and to be of sober mind, he is only telling us that we have to clean out the pipeline, the pipeline of power, the pipeline through which God can work in our lives. We have to clean out by being alert and being sober minded. It's, a, it's like a spiritual heart catheterization that helps us deal with the plaque of grogginess and addictions to outside influences so that we can have a, a clean and powerful prayer pipeline that we can come under God's influence. So how's your game? Are you lazy and lethargic? Or are you empowered and, and enthused by God's power to up your game? Are you distracted and dull? from the intoxicating and addicting influences in your life? Or are you engaged and energized by God's power to up your game? You can up your game when you are under God's influence. And that brings us to Peter's ultimate challenge. In upping our game, it is the challenge to follow up. Uh, in the interest of time, I'm going to summarize here 1 Peter 4, verses 8 through 11. Verses 8 through 11, Peter says that we need to follow up as we do these things, as we love deeply. He says we need to learn how to love deeply because it covers a multitude of sins. We need to share graciously, he says. And, and, and he says that by saying we need to offer hospitality without grumbling. That is to use the resources God has given us, blessed us with, our homes, our automobiles, the things that we have that we use those graciously to share with others without complaining, he says. That we serve faithfully. He tells us to use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace. Now please go back and, and read for yourself these verses 8 through 11 in 1 Peter 4. See what this next level of the Christ journey looks like. But you know what? You'll soon realize when you see these follow-up steps that uh, you're not going to be able to do them in your own strength. We need the pipeline of power to be open if we're going to up our game in these ways. Making sure that's crystal clear, Peter says and confirms in verse 11 when he says, they should do so, that is we, we should do so with the strength God provides. You can't do this in your own strength. But how's your game? Do you want to finish well? There may not be much time left. Here's your wake-up call. It's time to sober up. It's time to power up. It's time to follow up. It's time to up your game, and you can up your game when you're under God's influence. Let's pray. 
Father, we're so grateful for the, uh, the fact that we know that we do not do this in our own strength, but that we can be empowered by you. Uh, Father, help us to address the issues in our lives that have clogged that pipeline. Help us to, uh, to be alert and to be of sober mind. Father, I thank you for those here who have, uh, who have done that faithfully through their years, and I pray for them and for us to, uh, to power up as we come to you and constantly keep your power um, in our lives, at work in our lives, knowing that uh, it, is, it is not by our strength in any way. Father, I pray that we would be the kind of people who would, uh, who would love deeply and would share graciously and serve faithfully. And so, Father, I, I pray for um, anyone here today who has never established a relationship with you. And, uh, and so we will ask this prayer on their behalf. And uh, so let me, with your head still bowed and your eyes still closed, let me ask you if, uh, if you today would uh, be interested in opening your heart for the first time to receive Christ into your life, to, to really build that pipeline that he can empower your life for, for the living of your days, would you show me right now by an uplifted hand if you would pray with me for your salvation, that God would uh, bless you, would come into your life, and would be the Lord and Savior in your life. I see your hands. Thank you. There are pastors in our Kindle campus and in church online that will also recognize your desire to pray to receive Christ into your life. Let me say a blessing for you. Father, we say thank you for those hands who have been raised and for the lives that are being changed. Father, I pray for all of us to open our, our, our minds and our hearts and our eyes to what you are doing around us and wanting to do in us and through us. Father, I pray for these that have raised their hand that they might uh, know and, uh, and uh, follow you uh, in the days and years ahead. Help them to uh, to be connected in a way with those who would help them uh, from here in this family. And we are so grateful that you've given us uh, your word that we can, can up our game when we come under your influence. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.